The Women in Gridiron Show is a production of Mojo Sports in partnership with the Women's Gridiron Leagues of Australia. Welcome back to another episode of the Women in Gridiron Show. This week, I'm joined by Alia Kamali. How are you, Alia? I'm good, Stacey. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. It's, uh, you know, it's an interesting time for football because it's uh, recruitment season. It's preseason. We've got flag invitationals. There's there's a lot going on in the football landscape right now, which means there's a whole bunch of influx of new players joining us at this time of the year. Absolutely. It's pretty exciting. So I've been recruiting recruitment from all the different clubs. You know, the hope is that we get some women, again, men in Colts too, but specifically women trying out this great sport, coming from new other sports, or just wanting to try something new. So we were all rookies once, and it's uh, it's not that long ago that we remember how that that felt going into your Speak first. For yourself. It was definitely <laughs> it was definitely long ago for me, and I feel like Moran would say the exact same thing. Uh, but this episode this week, this is all for the rookies. So if you are a veteran player listening to this, uh, you can send this episode to your rookies to get them to understand uh, what they might hear during preseason or a bit of an explanation around just some points uh, that coaches might say that they may not understand that you might have to explain to them on the field. So this is Rookie 101. You've walked into preseason. Uh, you've seen an ad on on Facebook or on social media and you've gone, hey, I'm going to give that a go. You rock up to your very first session you lace up your boots and you're surrounded by all these different types of women, some that know each other, some that don't. And it's it's a lot to to take on, first of all. But you've strapped on your boots. You're about to get into warm-ups. Alia, what's, what, what do you think the, be- the first thing that rookies should do when they join the team? Um, it sounds quite simple and not, not even deal, does to deal, deal, deals with the football itself. But I'd say be yourself. You know, you've come to a team. Football is meant to be a social sport to some degree at the club level. And I say be yourself, introduce yourself, you know, kind of listen. Um, but, you know, let let the girls see who you are and, and also be friendly and open and welcoming to this exciting sport that you're about to play. Exactly. I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but like sometimes people come wrong. and they're nervous. And- you're not wrong. Not at all. I mean, I don't think there's anything worse than like getting through half a training session and going, who's? Who's who's that who's that person over there? Like, is she new? Like, I haven't seen her before. So definitely introduce yourself. Tell us where you come from. Uh, and uh yeah, tell us a little bit about yourselves as well when you get there. So that's a good start, definitely. So it just, vets. like I think that's a, a good habit to kind of you see the new girl, even in the warm-ups and the lines of warm-ups, which we do, just kind of introducing yourself, say, Hey, what's your name? Um, give them a high five. Sometimes that goes a long way to making someone feel a bit more included and takes the nerves out. Definitely, definitely. So we're in warm-ups. We're doing all of our, uh, you know, gridiron-specific warm-ups, your butt kicks, your high kicks, your karaoke's, your all those sorts of things. Uh, and all of a sudden you get to skill and positional uh, drills. And in preseason is where you've learned the skills uh, by doing the drills from your positional coaches, and that's generally how it works around the country. So we're in positional drills, and the coach says to you, Alia, uh, if you're a wide receiver, I want you to high point the ball. Tell me, what does that mean? So high point of the ball would be trying to outstretch and reach the ball at the highest point. So 
Um, let's say the ball is in the air. You want to actually try to jump up and get that ball at the highest point as opposed to letting it falling into your body or into your hands. 100%. And the reason why we do that is because you want to beat the defender that's coming also for that ball. Defender doesn't want you to catch the ball. So if you're going to get above that defender and catch it above them, then that's ideal. So that's what we say. Uh, if you hear a, a coach say high point the ball, that's what they're talking about. Also looking at uh, wide receivers, we're looking at inside and outside releases. So they're going to say, you know, run, just run straight, but take an outside release. What's the coach saying? I think that if they're describing an outside release, they're kind of indicating to the wide receiver that they want you to move to the outside of that defender in front of you. So inside being to their inside towards where the quarterback is, where all the the other players are, or the outside towards the sideline, just to kind of get away from them and uh, find, and then kind of get back on your path if you're running, let's say, a go route, which is a straight route down the field. So it's more about how to maneuver yourself around the player, avoiding as much contact as possible to get in quickly out of that, that uh, get into open space. Exactly, because what you want the quarterback to be able to do is you've taken this outside release. The only thing out, uh, that is next to you is the sideline. So you're really after that quarterback, To de- uh, depending on what kind of route that you're running, is you really want to put that put have your quarterback put the ball in between you and that sideline so that's out of the way of the defender completely. If we're looking at catching the ball earlier, we want soft hands. What is that? Soft hands, diamond shape. You know, your quarterback hopefully is going to put a nice spiral on the ball. If you look at the football itself, when it spins or comes off their finger, it's a turn to a little spiral. So you want your hands to be in that diamond shape, index fingers together, thumbs together, fingers nice and wide and soft. So when that ball comes in, you beautifully catch it like a like a little egg. <laughs> um, I think as we start off, it gets very easy to catch it in our body. The ball comes hard. It's a hard leather ball. It can hurt our fingers. Um, but over time, you really want to work on those fingers and that, that hand kind of that feel to the ball. Um, I think that takes time and skill and trust between you and your, your quarterback. Uh, one thing I always tell my rookies when I play with them early on is to do their warm ups with them. You know, we'll get into a routine, not just in practice, but before games as well, the little catching routine, getting their hands ready. And I think that's a great way if you are a receiver thinking about playing receiver, um, building that ability to catch with your hands. Definitely. And, uh, you know, we kind of explain it to if you're dropping an egg off, you know, a two story building and you don't want it to break is you want to kind of absorb, make your hands absorb uh, the ball. Also, if you're catching it like keys, uh, which are very sharp. Which I, I I don't know. I, it worked. I was explaining it to a whole bunch of like uh, of little kids when I was teaching flag. And I was like, imagine you catching my keys and like, oh, they're sharp. I'm like, yeah, absorb them. Take your soft hands uh, and absorb around yeah. that ball. Take all the force out of it. Have Credit soft- to one of our coaches that we had both as we started up. What do you catch with, Stacey? Your eyes. Yes, you do indeed. Your <laughs> question, but it's one that we we both been asked and we started off. So I wanted to. Hey, look, and and like I said, you know, I coach it to all the kids that I coach in every sport, every sport, basketball, AFL, netball. What do we catch with? We catch with our eyes, and slowly. You know, the kids that I get coming through are starting to realize that, yeah, you don't just catch with your hands. And I think that that's like, you know, Coach Wolfie had such an interesting philosophy when it came to like just just the simplest thing of catching a ball, uh, you know, breaking it down and and understanding that you do catch with your eyes rather than just your hands. Because if you can't see the ball, then your hands aren't going to be there. That's exactly right. And last little tip for those wide receiver trainees, um, when you're catching the ball early on, 
take some drills where you actually catch the ball and stare at it. And when you catch it, that impact, just stare at it like a picture frame, like if you're taking a picture of it. And then watch it all the way until you tuck it into your three-point position, which we'll discuss later. <laughs> um, but it's, it's that whole idea that you're following and tracking that ball from the time it hits your hands all the way in. Um, it's a really good way of training yourself to not losing that sight because that's when you'll drop balls is when you lose that sight for that quick second and it falls out of your hand. Keep that eye right all the way into the puck. And I think that that's something that we often don't talk about enough is overemphasizing things at training. Because if you overemphasize something like tucking a ball away, which is such a simple movement, like a muscle memory kind of movement, and you overemphasize that at training, like make it a really conscious effort to watch that ball into your hands. And then as you tuck it away, uh, overemphasize that so that when it comes to game day, it's not overemphasized and it's just natural. Uh-huh. Uh, when we're talking about, uh, say anyone's going out for quarterback, line of scrimmage, very, very simple. Where yeah. are we at with this? So the line of scrimmage is technically where the ball is, like where it's put by the, by the, the oh my God, I've lost my words, by the referee. So where it is uh, from the last play, at the end of the last play, where it is placed, that, that extension of where the ball is right to the sidelines, that is your line of scrimmage. Invisible, invisible. It's invisible. There's no actual line, but it's, uh, we all know it exists, that we don't cross that line until the ball is snapped. Exactly. And so obviously, you know, any rookie players that are looking at the game going, there is a lot of moving parts right here. You know, the center is responsible for giving the ball to the quarterback and they receive the ball. uh, They pick the ball up from the line of scrimmage. So if you've got your receivers, they're either set on the line of scrimmage or off the line of scrimmage, depending on, and the defense can't encroach over that line of scrimmage or there's penalties. So, uh, you know, It is a really complex game, but these like understanding these concepts and understanding, uh, you know, just like these small little things like the line of scrimmage can make rookies jobs so much easier uh, when it comes to lining up in the right position, making sure that they're doing all the right things. When we're talking about alignment. Alignment gets talked about a lot. It can be talked about from a defensive perspective. It can be talked about from a a wide receiver perspective. It can be talked about from any perspective uh, on the field. Alignment, what are they talking about? I'm going to be a bit guilty of this (laughs) because I don't know what alignment is a quarterback, but as a fullback and tight end, I imagine alignment will be where I stand in relation to the player in front of me, like in terms of who I'm meant to be. Like, Well, I think it's less so in that position but maybe even for alignment you're thinking about alignment of where you're lined up in front of your d lineman um, as a receiver again like i don't really know if it's, it applies to offense as much as it applies to defense but uh, maybe you should take this one <laughs> so alignment is basically where you are on the field like alia is correct uh it, it's where you are in in relation to the concept of the whole play and who you are facing uh, from a defensive or an offensive perspective. So, for example, when we're talking about the O-line, which are the, you know, the three people or four people, depending on how you've got your line set up, uh, you know, that are protecting that quarterback, they're going to be looking in front of them and looking at the alignment of the defensive line in front of them. So, for example, if the alignment of the defensive line is, you can just see their eyes straight in front of you, they are head up. You know, uh, if they're slightly to the right of you uh, or the left of you, then that's a different alignment. The same thing applies when you're in any other defensive position. Uh, If you're a corner, your alignment would be, you know, are you 
uh, outside the receiver? Are you uh, man up, so head up in front of the receiver? Uh, at linebacker, are you inside or outside? Uh, there's a lot of talk about inside and outside and wide and short sides of the field, um, which is a concept that was like a little bit difficult for me to understand because I do have like a little bit of like weird dyslexia slash ADHD and I'm not good with my left and rights and short sides and wide sides. Um, so that was a little bit for me to get my head around. But alignment, when when coaches say check your alignment, they've basically told you that you should be in this spot. <laughs> whether that whether that's two yards back and two yards outside of your player, that's the spot you should be in. So when you're looking, I mean, at- that makes sense too. Even like I guess if you are playing in the in the backfield, knowing exactly where you're standing in relation to other players is often how offense players are taught. Like whether you're on the outside of the heels of the guard if you're a fullback or tight end, whether you're yes. two or three yards behind the quarterback as a running back and you're in line with them or off to the one side or the other. So. I guess it does apply to us as well. Oh, <laughs> I just never didn't refer to it as alignment, but that was probably what it was. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, I, I think it's a universal term that I think coaches, uh, you know, again, and it's not so much, you know, this time in preseason is for coaches to really step everything back. And, and I think coaches just get so excited about coaching football that mm. they forget that some people don't know you know, the word. It's a different language. It's a it's completely a com- new language. Completely new language, but one that can be spoken around the world. It is universal. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about um, outside contain. And I know that you, from a quarterback perspective, wouldn't have too much to do about this. I mean, I've heard about it a lot. <laughs> so I hear from the defensive side is that we, you know, constantly want to contain from the well, obviously outside in, so you don't want to allow the offense to gain to the outside where they can go along the sideline or completely beat the defense. You want to keep them inside the box or inside the main playing area so that there is more help, more players, and then more obstruct like obstacles for them to run into or hundred percent. Hundred percent. And and when coaches say things like outside contain, that basically it, it it is what it says. You want to contain the outside of the play. And whether wherever you are on the field in whatever position you play from a defensive perspective, you still have outside containment. So if you are a corner, you are the closest to the sideline. So you must contain between you and the sideline. As in, you cannot let anyone get outside of you because there is no one that can help you at that point, <laughs> at that point from a linebacker perspective you still want to outside contain but you always know that you've got help there um so outside contain is really really important from an uh from a defense uh let's talk about um the tackle box alia mm. so the rule uh, it's not so much a rule situation but when players are looking at the field uh they're looking at at the tackle box what what happens in that box and where is it? So the tackle box is typically on the defensive side. It's something that, I mean, the quarterback should, but I'm guessing the coach as well, and, and all the backfield players should be doing, is counting how many players are in the box. Um, I was trying to explain this to a, a teammate over in Canada, the similar type thing, is it's actually how we decide when to run or when to pass the ball based on number of players in that box. And that box is like sort of an imaginary box from – the edge of the tackles, now in seven or nine man football, we typically only have three O-linemen. But if we had the typical two tackles in the end, you'd have five linemen. So the edge of the tackles extending backwards. I don't actually know if there's a depth or if I'm a five yards. It's it, well, Well, I think the ruling changes 
depending on whether you're playing like seven, nine, eleven. But I, yeah. th- I think Im- the imaginary line of the tackle box extends like the entire way of the field. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I always assumed it was kind of where that linebacker, like sort of that mid linebacker, sits. Um, or if the safeties roll down and playing a bit of a, a Mike linebacker position, but you're counting the number of players in that actual box, maybe the D linemen, maybe it's linebackers, um, just to kind of have a gauge of basically how many of the offense players compared to how many of the defense players you have to go block or make a play. Because so, the, the idea here is that you always want to have that overlap. Correct. You want the, you want the advantage. So if let's say the defensive stack, the box, they brought everyone in the house in, they're stopping that run game. Look at uh, New South Wales versus Queensland. <laughs> Every time that we got to the red zone, for example. But yes, they're stacking the box. They've put everyone in their dog in there. You probably might want to pass. You probably want to like pass the ball because running the ball into all that traffic is going to, you know, not be to the offense advantage. Yet exactly. passing into open space where they've left is probably a better idea. So that's what I, like that's like we're talking like you know. We were talking about this earlier and for rookie players, we were saying how, you know, the first year that you play, it is literally a clusterfuck, excuse the language, of <laughs> what is what is happening. So much information it's, overload. It is information overload. And and uh, it was such a, a phrase that I've learned over the years is paralysis by analysis. Mm. You know, you're thinking too much about what is actually happening. Uh, You can't actually perform your job properly. And that's typically what happens with rookies. They get fed so much information over the course of the season um, that by the end of it, their brains are scrambled and they're like, am I good at this game? Am I not good at this game? Like, what is this game about? You spend that whole season wondering, like, where is my gauge? And you'll get told things, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's a hard idea that first season. Like, it's great because you're new and you're loving and it's exciting and you might be really good at it because you have skills from other sports you're just naturally geared toward it um but it is very uh overwhelming for sure definitely definitely uh but it only gets better from there so Um, so yes i was going a bit of depth with the tackle box situation but um i think it is let's say you're thinking about maybe playing quarterback or you know you want to step into the coaching role if let's say you're not this is not obviously to the rookies but it's something to keep in mind that that's how they make their decision if you're ever wondering how do they know when to run or pass the ball? That's typically one of the first things they're checking. And I think that as a rookie player, you get these calls in from the coach. It's like, but why? Like, why are we, why are we doing this? For women, that's the first thing we ask. <laughs> definitely. Definitely is a why. Uh, but, yeah, to know that that's one of, the, one of the reasons why coaches make the decisions is definitely uh, important context for women. Mm. Definitely. Uh, we're going to take this back. Super, super simple. Rep. Repetition is essential to muscle memory and on-field performance. And I heard a really great, uh, I was just at practice this morning and I heard one of the guys say this to one of the Cubs, uh, our Colts players, and he said, never ta- never, never sleep on an opportunity to take a rep. You know, get out there and compete. And I know what tends to happen in preseason is you get the rookies and, uh, you know, they don't want to go first at anything, which is completely fine. Don't go first watch first and then go do, but don't get so afraid that you don't want to take that rep, you know, especially like in you know, mm. situations like you're in like I don't a, know if it's a feeling of not looking silly or feeling, you know, like that sense like of trying something new and not want to put yourself out there. Like, I think you've done the hard job. You've shown up to a training. You've sort of tried out this new sport that you probably don't see a lot on TV and probably don't know anyone else in your circle that does play it unless you do. 
So I think being a little bit daring and brave and putting yourself out there and getting a rep because you only will learn from doing, unfortunately. It's not one of these sports you can just watch and magically pick up. You need to put yourself out there and give it a go. And you're probably not going to get it right to me. You might, but there's a good chance you'll probably do, you know, it'll take you a little while to figure out what you're meant to be doing. But that's that's the whole point of training is to get that those opportunities to mess up and to figure out what's how to do things and what's a better way of doing things and make those mistakes. And I think too, it's really important, like from a coaching perspective and a veteran player perspective is you can never be upset with someone that gives a hundred percent effort. Now, I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how bad you are. As long as you are trying and giving it a hundred percent, like I can't, you, but, you, you know, you can't. Yeah, there's that can't expression that we say, and, and like, you'll hear it in your first game is if you're going to F up or mess up, um, do things 100%. So, you know, you're always, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone kind of does the wrong thing, myself included, all the time. But if you're going to mess up, do it 110%. Like, just give it everything you got. So, you know, if, if you're coachable, if you're open to hearing feedback, if you're asking questions, and if you're giving 110%, then really you're the perfect teammate. Everything else will come along the way. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, when we're talking about pad level, so we're talking from a running back perspective or a fullback perspective, or even like, I mean, this concept is universal across every position, mm-hmm. but pad level, what's the key to having, what, what's the key to pad level? To be low, lower than the person you're going into. So if you're a runner, you want to be lower than their pads because you're going to make more of an impact and you're going to obviously get potentially get through that contact. If you're standing upright, you're a high target, you're easy to take down. But if your pads are lower than their pads and you're driving sh- lower, you're more likely to get through com- like contact. And in offense especially, it's all about yards. So your pads being lower than theirs, even as a lineman or as a tight end and you're trying to block, if you're lower than they are, you have way more force behind you and you will push them back versus them pushing you over. We're not talking about like going on your knees and trying to no. walk one. Just, <laughs> no just crawling here. I mean, look, that is a thing, but maybe not as a rookie thing. No, not at all. I, more I, like in contact. In contact, your pads. And by pads, you wear these big shoulder pads. They're bulky. Um, but you want your those big bulky pads to be actually lower than while keeping your head and neck safe <laughs> than the opponent's player, the pads in the sense. And that's what pad level kind of means. Exactly. So your knees. And not bending at the ways you're bending your knees, you're getting low and you're driving through contact. Exactly. You know, the lowest person always wins, whether you're blocking, whether you're running through contact, whether you're making a tackle, the lowest person wins. And I think it's really important to understand, uh, you know, from a safety perspective is when we say lowest person, like Alia mentioned, from a head and neck perspective, you don't want to put your head down. You want to have a straight back. Uh, You know, I saw... Uh, touchdown photography posted a whole bunch of photos from um, the women's game up in Queensland from mm. two, and there was this tackle and I feel like it was Chrissy Torres. I might be wrong because all the DBs wore the same helmets and they were all really small and they all looked exactly the same. Um, but legit, she is perpendicular to the ground uh, on Danny, you know, so Danny and, and Danny is folded over. Like we're just going straight like this, like this, the angle on this tackle, uh, you could not be lower also because Chrissy Torres is like five foot. Uh, most of them were five foot as a DB, <laughs> even a herdman. 
Um, but this tackle was, you know, the textbook tackle, lowest person one. Uh, and generally what you find is if you are lower, then the chance for injury is so much less because. Oh, I find you know, such a challenge as a runner. Like she definitely had a couple great tackles on me, quite on film, quite on camera. Um, she was in the perfect position and I'm a tall runner, which is something I'm working on as a player, but I'm relatively tall. So if you go at my legs, I don't have anywhere to go. Like I, I do go down like a ton of bricks. So you know, anyone really, that's really the the strategy to being a good tackler, but also being a good runner, ball runner is. is ball runner good. and blocker too. You know, mm. you still got to be low because if, uh, you know, if your coaches are telling that you're going to go block, uh, you know, when looking at things like, you know, uh, run blocking, drive blocking, stalk blocking, there's a whole bunch of blocking that happens and they're all very uh, slightly different in how they're executed. Um, but you still want to be lower because, uh, you know, which brings me to my next point of leverage, but your leverage, you have the leverage when you are the lowest person. And leverage is, uh, I was I was saying earlier that, uh, you know, it was a concept that it blew my mind uh, for years when I started playing because uh, I had a coach that I don't necessarily think explained the concept a little bit more, which, you know, we go back to the women need context. Um, you know, so leverage is essentially, you know, I like to picture it as like a seesaw and like a fulcrum kind, kind of situation. Uh, you know, if you as a player, and this can like leverage is a concept that can be explained player to player um, and field wide. Uh, so if you're a player on player and you you want to be in the position that you don't want to get, you don't want the other person to get to. So if I have good leverage on someone that's trying as a, as a DB or a corner and they're trying to run an outside route, my leverage is that I'm in, I've shed my block and I'm in the perfect position to be able to get low enough to either take that interception or make the tackle. From uh, you know, from a field perspective, we talk about leverage of having the upper hand, right? That's essentially what what leverage means. It means that you are running to an area that has no one in it. That's leverage. You have leverage in that position uh, when you're running the ball. Uh, whether you're running to the wide side or the short side of the field, again, depending on if you have a, an overlap or something like that, that's where you have leverage. But when we talk about leverage, and coaches will talk about leverage. Picture it as a seesaw or a fulcrum situation where the physics, and if you're really into physics and sports science like I am, uh, the physics of it state that you have more power being lower and driving upwards than you do being standing up uh, and running forward. So that's when, we, when we're talking about leverage. Uh, Google it or YouTube it. <laughs> a, I don't think I've done a really good job of explaining it, but I, I suggest that you get familiar with the term. I mean, it makes sense. I definitely, got, yeah, definitely think you definitely from a defensive point of view, it makes sense where you're going with it. Um, I've only heard of leverage from again from an offense point of view in terms of how you will you know go up to your blocks and achieve blocking your person without them shedding your block. Um, only about how using your hands and whereabouts to attack it, whether it be if you're trying to get, let's say, uh, a D lineman, you'll you'll strike them with a certain positioning of your hand to one of their their outside shoulder to get that leverage. Or exactly. If so if you're trying to run, drive them in. Yeah. Going to, the way you position your hands and turn your hands and turn your body to actually drive them in the direction you want to, a bit like a steering wheel. Um, but that, that was my understanding of leverage, completely different than yours. But I think that's that's the interesting bit, you know. 
again, concept that (laughs) flow both over, but, you know, have so much meaning to it. And, you know, Alia is exactly right. You know, it is, it is hand placement is a, is a big component too, but like, even as like, if you're a running back uh, and, and you're running the ball, you want to have leverage to the outside shoulder of your linebacker if you're going through that gap or, mm. or that's where you're going to you know so it, it, it's positioning you know, it's, it's like another word of positioning it is. Really. it's body positioning it's, <laughs> no, it's knowing where you are on the field yeah. and and where you're going to get that advantage uh talking about uh christy moran had a point and her point uh for this conversation for this podcast was uh she wanted to talk about play concept and for me, this this can be brought down to a know your why. Uh, mm. So Christy says, you know, once you've learned your role in a play, be sure to learn the entire concept. Know what all the chess pieces on your O team or your D team are doing in that play because the opposition rarely does what the, what the playbook says it will and knowing this will allow you to better adjust in a play as a player and in a team. So knowing your why uh essentially and it, it sums up what christy has said is is basically if you are a if you're a wide receiver and you have a slant route you have to understand that the other receivers in your route combination have a job as well everyone has a job uh <laughs> know your job first yes and once we're comfortable uh, and Alia said uh, offline, you know, she just take a breath and and know what your job is and execute your job. But if right. by happenstance you get to the point through pre through preseason, you've gone, I know how I I know how to run a slant now, and I know that that's what I do during this play. Then go outside the box and looking looking at the whole play itself and what happens, like what everyone else is doing in that play, will make everything makes so much more sense down the track. Yeah, I don't know if that's a preseason thing. I mean, look, there are some rookies that are exceptional that will get there. Um, I would be happy if my rookies literally just knew the play, <laughs> knew where they're standing, and knew how to ex- execute their role when you know as required. I think if you have that, like you said, if you do have that concept, like, okay, I know how to run a slant, or I know how to run my route, or I know what I do in this run play, um, that's great. And then knowing where everyone else is in the field is is having kind of a game a game sense of like, you know, yes, you have your one job, but let's say it's playing nine men, there's eight other people on the field. What else are they doing? Are you going to, you know, if you don't do your job, the step one, like we've, you've, you've lost one of the nine people in the chess game. So like going, leaving on the chess thing, you have to do your job, but um, there's a reason for that job. And I think that comes when you, once you've figured out what it is, then you can figure out why you're running that specific route or, while you're running into a certain space, you know, based on, you know, again, understanding defense is huge for an offense player. Um, I would take it one step further though. Like, so I think once, and I said this offline, like take a breath, remember your job. And if that's all you do in game day or in scrimmage, great. Start, start with there. But once you're confident, they're like, yeah, I've got my slant. The next thing is look what's in front of you. And that's going to help you a lot as especially might be, might work both ways. But as an offense player, you can see are that let's say if it's a wide receiver, we keep drawing back to that position. Um, <laughs> where is this DB in front of me? Are they exactly in front of me and pressed and staring directly at my chest? Okay, they're probably in a press coverage, and my job will be to beat them. Are they backed off by five, eight yards and are they staring at the quarterback? They might be in a zone coverage, which means that my space might open up a little bit quicker. It's sort of saying taking that second level, which will only happen you know, 
over time when you can see what's in front of you. So it's alignment, same idea, like you see your alignment, but then you also say, okay, well, we've, you know, you might figure out which way am I going, which way am I going to be able to take them according to where the run's going? Like we cover things like zone blocking and stuff in preseason, but knowing, understanding what's in front of you will actually help you understand what sort of also how to do your job, if that makes sense, or execute it better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, and I think that is like, it's still uh, learning the entire, like you might not know that, you know, the whole play is called like a, you know, tray right, counter trap, left, whatever, whatever <laughs> the play is called. And that's typically what you'll hear. Like when we start to install plays and things like that, you know, plays are broken down into the formation, the play, the direction that you're going, and then you can add on a whole bunch of other words. Um, but if you just know your role in that specific play and then start to understand what does it like, what is, what is my receiver partner doing, for example, or if you're a running back, what is my O-line doing? Mm, um, just kind of like, just think that one step ahead as to who helps me do my job and yeah. look exactly what's in front of you and just piece on, like just keep adding pieces to the puzzle because that's how we get addicted to this sport is that there's so many pieces that get added yeah. on and changed. And it's just, it's an, it's an ever evolving game of strategy, which is why I we think Ryan, Ryan said it well, well as well, that like things will never actually turn out how it's drawn up on the page. You might be told you are running through the a gap or the two hole, or you're, you know, this is the gap you're running. But it really never looks like that. <laughs> it's not this imaginary tunnel that's between the two. I mean, look, if it is awesome, the guards and the, and the O-line have done their job, but it never looks like that. And so do you have to understand it's more of a space, you know, the space between your guard and your center or outside the tackle or outside the guard. Like it's more about the space and what the defense gives you. Um, so as a runner, as a running back in the backfield, like she said, like, like um, Stacey said, knowing what your O-line is responsible for will actually help you do your job better in terms of knowing where that hole will open up. Reading and that, and that works from the flip side as well. If you know which gaps that you're D, like if you're a D lineman and you know that you're going through this gap or A gap, then you know your linebackers have to be going through B gap. So it's just kind of, it also puts your mind at ease knowing that everyone else has got whatever else is happening because once that play happens and there's 10 seconds of chaos <laughs> knowing that you don't have to do everything I think is really important to do your job yes. <laughs> do your job yes Bill Belichick that's exactly right uh and you know when we're talking about gaps too um you know and I think that this is this like you know coaches will talk about gaps uh and depending on which coach you're working for, lots of coaches have lots of different names for how they label things, this, that, and the other. And I personally, I find it frustrating that you can't go from coach to coach and have the same language. It's like, you know, we've spoken about how it's similar, it's similar. And I think it is, but it's a like different dialect or, or t- you know? books at this stage in my life. Like, you know, at the end of the day, they're all kind of similar. And I think it actually just improve, improves your breath. Like, is a, is it a bench route? Is it a flat route? Yeah. You know, is it a speed out? They're all the same thing, but every coach has decided to name it differently. So having a little bit of flexibility that even as a rookie, your quarterback might say one thing, the coach might call it another thing, and another player on the team will call it one thing. Draw it out, figure it, and say, oh, okay, they're they're all saying the same thing. And that's often a, where people get confused is the is the words and terms, gap, two hole, like you know. It does, it, it can get confusing. And I think for me, I was always very visual. So I had to write it out. I had to study my playbook. Oh, totally. I'm a visual person. 
Yeah. So, and we had, I don't know if it was Emma at State, and she had a whiteboard with little magnets, and everyone learns a bit. Right with a whiteboard. Love it. Love <laughs> it. color coded magnets. So, I mean, I think you just need to find out what works for you. Um, if you're a visual person, then, you know, get the pen and paper out and draw, 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 like draw out where you're going, draw out the little players. Um, if you're actually someone that needs to do, I did this with one player my first year is we brought up cones and I got them to set up the cones of where they would be standing. Um, so it's just, it's, you need to find out how you learn and you need to sort of like, you'll, you'll hear different terminologies, not so okay, ask questions, but you know, yes, it would be nice if they all use the exact same universal terminology, but um, there's slight variations, unfortunately. Like I said, it's just different dialects. You know, mm. we're all speaking the same <laughs> language. It's just we're just from little different parts of the country oh, yeah, or in little specific ways to say things. Um, but you actually make a really interesting point about knowing how you learn because mm. uh, from a coaching perspective, it is really hard. And I th- look, in an ideal world, coaches will spend more time figuring out how their players learn than actually teaching um but you just don't have the time for that like so we're two months out from season now which sounds like a really long time but it's not like I, I thought the opposite I'm like two months is not very long no not at all like, I think that a lot of the girls you know you have a good proportion of the girls in our league anyways that played in the state team or played around was around football so hopefully most people are still in that gear but um, you know when you think about rookies which is what this episode's about um, two months to learn a new sport and a new language is not a lot. Not um, at all. And I'm guilty of it. Like, you know, we all have lives, we all have jobs, and we're not paid to play this beautiful sport. Uh, but you will be surprised, and every rookie will find there will be one person on your team that just loves training. And you can probably find them out because they came to training 30 minutes early than the whole team to do extra reps. And they've also uh, got their playbook. They've got their playbook yeah, already playbook. printed out. Everything yeah, is all color-coded. Um, and I laugh because it's probably me, but <laughs> the reason why I say this is they're often also really happy to help. And I think if you're willing and if you're confused, you know, leaning onto your vet players, you know, I, I do some not all coaches love the player coach, but I do recommend going to your vet players and asking questions, asking if they'll come 20 minutes early to run through something with you. Um, because yes, coaches would also love doing that, but they also have lives and difficult to ask them sometimes. So you know, work with what we what you have in your team, whatever is available, but there'll always be that one person that probably will come a little early and work with you or stay a little late to do some extra stuff with you. And and like it is, a rep is a rep. So it's it's important to get those little extra times if that's how you learn. Otherwise, you know, you can always just study your playbook and be a visual person like others. <laughs> but yes, coaches do need to have an idea of what they're working with. And I think it's really hard with the few coaches that we do have and the large number of girls that, you know, we have to to manage that sometimes doesn't get looked into. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, and I think the more, I mean, you can say that a coach needs to know how their player learns which I think is true to a point, but a coach also has to, like the coach is responsible for putting together the entire team, the entire Mm -hmm. playbook, the entire scheme, putting those players, uh, putting players where they're supposed to be. And, you know, I think oftentimes, uh, you know, we need to take a little bit of accountability for figuring out how we learn because as adults, I don't think we actually think about it too much after you leave school or if you're doing further study, yeah, or whatever, it's really not something skills, that you have to sure. think about it, you know, but football is a game that if you put in the amount of effort, you will get it out, get back out of it, you know? So, you know, like I continually bring up, you know, Dane told me my first, very first coach that I wasn't smart, uh, that I wasn't fast and I wasn't strong. So I had to get smart. 
Um, you really say that? Oh, I never yes, knew that. Did. Yeah, he did. I wasn't fast. I was strong. I'm still not I mean, like, fast. And I'm still not I'm strong. slower than a stack of potatoes. Okay. I not long ago, like literally a month ago, a coach told me you are slower. No, no, sorry. My bad. I am slower than a bag of snails. Not one snail, a bag of snails. Yeah. And I mean, look, I, I initially took it to heart. I was like, oh, that's a bit harsh. But you, I think what I forgot to think is that he might be saying that that's not my strength. My strength might be my power or might be my football IQ. And I've got all these other strengths. And so, yes, you may get here, you know, sometimes that you may not be certain this position, but I don't think it's meant in a way to put you down or to say this is, you know, your weakness. No, no, no. And I think about that it. Is- more like lean into what your strengths are. And I think this beautiful game, and I keep calling it a beautiful game because we both love it so much, is that it really, the, every single person that comes into, there is a position for you. It doesn't matter what shape and size you are, but there's also something in this game that will lean into your talents and your skills. And the, the key is to find out what that is and then just to completely ride with it and, and go where, where that is because that's where you'll succeed. Exactly. You know, there's there's girls that we've had, you know, come through the sport that hit the hardest that I've ever been hit in my life. Like hit like a freight train, um, but don't necessarily care about the concept or the why or what everyone else is doing. They just want to hit people, which is completely fine. But then you've also got the other ones that want to know the why. They want to know the elevated why. They want to know what if this happens? What if this happens? What do I do if this happens? They also know what everyone else is doing on the field. Um, so, yeah, being a developing an inquisitive mind um, and developing your football IQ is I think a really good way to understand the sport and enjoy your first season um, a little bit more as well just to just to if if you're not fast and you're not strong so that's okay I can't say this enough it's just be coachable and you know at the end of the day like you are learning a new skill you are trying something new and nobody's expecting you to be you know a racehorse at the back it will take time and, and that time will and that and will take effort to be good at the sport um but just be coachable be open and if someone is giving you feedback even if how they're saying it is really terrible like try to take the gems of stone from it and you know unfortunately we don't all get taught how the coach beat it. like especially from teammates like people will say something to you say do this um, just like you know at, at the moment just take it in and say okay let me try this like be open to trying and trying something new so exactly exactly I think just to round this one out Alia mm-hmm. um, ball security is job security absolutely absolutely and I think I, I heard the you, you did mention how the Queensland coach had had a call out to me during the, the part where I did and neither he mentioned that my ball security was something of note, and I don't know if it was Dane early on who taught me ball security. Wolfie, there was a drill we did where we had to hold the ball and run through a tunnel of people trying to snap it out of you. Oh my god, I hate that drill! I hate it so much because your hands um, hurt. Or maybe it was all the the contact drills I did in my first season. It just seemed like we did ninety percent contact that season, and being a quarterback did not excuse me out of any of it. Um, but I think ball security is so key. It's something that, you know, it's it's your job. You have been blessed to be the person holding this ball, whether it was passed to you, whether it was handed to you, that is your job. And the only way we progress as an offense is if you protect this like your baby. So even if you have three people trying to take you down, you go down holding and clutching that thing for your life. So um, to this day, I can't think of any times I've been stripped, but maybe an odd 
There might be one fumble recovery here and there or like. That would be me last season and you were running a speed option and I got in the middle of between you and your running back and flipped it out. But that wasn't necessarily like ball security. No, I don't it was, it was a like play that I just ran my body, but I think I have messed up a few speed options and tosses in the time I've played. But yeah, no, it's something that I, I think that a running a run, as a runner, that's your, or even as a wide receiver, if you have been gifted this ball, you must protect it in the best ways is to, to make sure you're holding the ball right. So have your coach or one of the vet players look at how you're actually holding the ball and tucking that baby in. It is hard because, you know, we're women. Our pads don't necessarily fit. They're not designed for us. Um, <laughs> I think people don't forget that is that it doesn't sit nice and high when you've got big pads sticking up. No more men wouldn't have that problem. Um, but practice that ball. Like, I think I don't know if it was it must have been my first season where I was told just take care of this ball, ball. At home and just yeah, work at home. You're, you're holding that ball and people trying to snap it out of your, your hand throughout practice. But, yep. you know, little things like that, practice holding the ball, especially if you're a runner, like keeping it tucked in when you're walking in the house or when you're in training, having, you know, even in Denver, actually, a lot of our running backs always had the ball in their hand when we were doing our warm-ups. Doing warm-ups, yeah. You knocked it out of their hand, they had to do like five or some push-ups. Um, but it was a game because we constantly trying to get the ball out of them because it was uh, it was something that we did not want to happen on game day. Yeah. So security is key. Yeah. Try that one for these warm-ups with the ball in your hand and everyone yeah. else can try to knock it out. Yeah, that's a good one. I really like I I I remember telling rookies to just hold the ball all the time. All the time. Walk around the house exactly like you said, just hold it nice and tight, high and tight. That's the way we do it. Um, you know, and I think that too, like I've I've had instances where, you know, as a when I've played quarterback and say I've thrown an interception or whatever, I've been able to go back out onto the defense and cause the fumble to get the ball back. Mm. Um, I think, you know, that's also a really good part, like from a rookie perspective is if you do make up, you get the chance to make up for it in the next play. Ooh, I have went to bounce off that. So I don't know if you're a Ted Lasso fan. Yes. If not, but be a goldfish. I think more of us need to be goldfish. And if you haven't watched this show, go and watch this on Apple TV. But how he talks to this coach, Ted Lasso, he's an American football coach. He's now coaching soccer in the UK. And he's teaching this message to his players that, like, something bad happens, be a goldfish. They've got the shortest memory span of all the amphibians. And so as a rookie, you're going to make mistakes, be a goldfish, have amnesia, forget that moment, next play. And that's the best attitude you can have. It took me a really long time to learn that as a player. Um, because I held on to things. I was emotional. I didn't want to mess up. Had Women do. We do this. We do this. <laughs> I, I think that's why it takes us so long to go, oh, yeah, if I just, I can do, I can make up for it. It's okay. Oh, redeem yourself next play. If you fumble that ball, the next play you are executing 110%, you are blowing that defender by. Or, you know, if you drop, you know, like if it's, it goes for any position, really, if you messed up that play, be a goldfish, forget it, but make it up, redeem yourself that next play. Go 110%. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I think that's enough information for our rookies tonight. Overload again. Like, that was a little overload. <laughs> this is what happens when you just get and, and like like I said, coaches are excited to coach football. We're excited to talk football because we love football. Um, and it's you know season is coming around super super quick, uh, and it's an exciting time. So if you are a rookie and you're listening to this and you still have no idea what we're talking about, or you still have no idea what the coach says. 
um, you could reach out to us, feel free, but also reach out to anyone, you know, around the gridiron community, reach out to your teammates, reach out to your coaches. There's always people that want to talk football as passionately um, as we do. That's for sure. And if you are playing for the first year this year, uh, good luck. Uh, I think the best advice that we can give you is just enjoy it because you will fall in love with it. It takes one game and you are hooked for life. I think that's the way it goes. It is a drug. (laughs) It is. As we know. But I think it's also something that it'll give you a lot back to. And it'll be a sport that unlike any other sport I've played where you learn so much about yourself. I mean, you probably learn yourself about other aspects of life. But for me, football has been such a life lesson and, and helped me grow as a human being because of the interpersonality skills, of the mental aspect of the game. Um, so it's something that I can't wait to see our rookies develop and see them grow as they learn this new sport. So just enjoy it. Take that pressure off. It's okay. <laughs> Live to see another day. Just enjoy the moment. Learn as much as you can. Be a sponge and be a goldfish. Yes, be a sponge and a goldfish. <laughs> Both of those in the sea. I like it. I like yes. it a lot. All right. That's all we have for you tonight, guys. We have um, an exciting couple of weeks coming up. Uh, We're going to have some actual rookies who have had their rookie seasons last season. They're going to come back on. uh, They're going to come on and talk to you guys about their experiences and give you some more pearls of wisdom to take with you. And we will be getting on um, Kelly Whitehead, WNFC Rookie of the Year. Uh, from the American uh, League, semi-pro league uh, over there. So that's going to be exciting over the next couple of weeks. So we've got lots going on. Um, join us uh, hopefully next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>